Hello, and welcome to Calamity, a podcast about natural and not-so-natural disasters. In each episode, we examine a catastrophic event from world history. We are your hosts, the Coolman Sisters. I'm Jama. I'm Jillian. And I'm Caitlin. And today's topic for our disaster podcast is going to take us back to 1846. Um, and the Oregon Trail, more specifically, the Donner Party. Oh, no. <laughs> it's going to be real fun. Oh, no. I've heard, I've heard about the Donner Party. It's going to be real, real fun. You're going to love this one, Caitlin. <laughs> you know, I, and I'll... It was a party, like, Caitlin, like a fiesta. Yeah. You like asking it? us to do one about a party. <laughs> <laughs> all right, fair enough. Well, well, I'm sure I don't know all, all the details. I know it's uh, um, there was death involved, and yeah. I know that they were on a voyage of some sort. So <laughs> I'm ready to learn some more. Okay. Well, again, we're starting in 1846, and this was. Um, kind of right in the middle of that kind of Oregon Trail period. Um, that kind of manifest destiny idea that we could just go west and claim all the lands. Mm-hmm. And because God loves us more than he loves the Indians or something like that. It's a terrible idea. I feel like in elementary school, I learned about manifest destiny as though it was like a good thing. <laughs> but I mean, it's clearly not. It's it's just uh, stealing land and killing people, but and yet and yet we're not fixing it. No, right. No. Um, so thousands of people were heading west, um, partly for adventure, partly because the east was crowded and dirty. The cities there, I mean, crowded and dirty and and rough, and you know, this is a time of smoky factories and. And, you know, your your children had to work in the smoky factories 10 hours a day. And um, actually, just a few years before the Donner Party left was when they passed the first law saying that you could only make children work 10 hours a day. You couldn't. <laughs> you couldn't uh, make them work more than 10. Uh, so people were, but also the, the, the economy was pretty bad then. So a lot of people who were heading west... They were just taking whatever they had and just going because there was nothing left for them. And they'd been promised that the West was amazing. Milk and honey. Yeah, well, and I live in the West and it is amazing. Um, <laughs> so it's not entirely wrong. Uh, the Donner Party was actually headed to California. So the Oregon Trail and the California Trail split at a certain point. But most people kind of started... Um, out of Missouri. Independence, Missouri was kind of known as kind of like the gateway to the trail. So, the, and the, the people who made up the party, um, there were, it turns out to be about 90 people that start off, um, but the party makeup changes quite a bit over as they travel. People, people leave the party or join the party along the way. Um, but it's it's groups of families primarily, um, lots of children because this time of time in history, everyone had tons of children, so it was 
about half children, really. And then they hired some guides to go with them, some, some people to help them lug their stuff around. So some of the people who were on the trek were, were employees of the families. Kind of a weird job to have. But. And it was a wagon train? <clears throat> covered wagons it like we was, always picture? It was a wagon train. <laughs> yeah. Uh, lots of oxen, that kind of stuff. Um, you guys remember the, the game, right? Oh, yeah. I could never shoot the bears. They were too cute. <laughs> I don't even think that ever crossed my mind. Uh... <laughs> well, you had to to shoot hunting. the bears or that the bears were cute? That they were cute. That you shouldn't <laughs> shoot them. <laughs> You're the one with the I'm very shoot. competitive. I needed to win. I, I, will, I will win at all costs. <laughs> well, um, you always lost at least a couple of kids to dysentery. No matter how good you did. So. Yeah, I remember the uh, the rivers being particularly. I don't remember what specifically it was about the rivers, but well, you had uh, to choose like... how to cross it. Like they gave you, they told you how deep it was, and then you had to choose for your wagon if you were going to ford the river, which is just walk across it with your wagon and oxen, and you might get swept away, or cock the wagon and float it, which doesn't seem that safe to me either or you could hire an indian guide to get you across hmm. well, which I was remember, the safest but it was expensive yeah i feel like uh that was my first stressful moment in life was trying to decide <laughs> <laughs> in seventh in seventh grade when i when i got my reading done early and was awarded with uh, like 15 minutes it's on the computer or whatever it was. I remember playing it at school and uh, I remember being stressed out because everybody in my class was so good at it and I was not very good. Because well, we didn't have a computer at home to practice on. Nope, nope, not at that point. Okay, so well, before I get too much further into this, let me tell you my sources. Um, primarily, there's a, a fantastic book by... Daniel James Brown, and it's called The Indifferent Stars Above. Uh, cannot recommend it enough. It's fascinating and uh, gripping and really detailed. But Is it a novel or is it a historical? It's, um... it's, no, it's a nonfiction. Uh -huh. yeah, just really well researched. And then another podcast that I love, the last podcast on the left, they did two episodes on it. Um, episode 331 and 332. Uh, and they, if you haven't heard of that podcast, which you probably have because they've been around for a long time, but um, they're hilarious. So as grim as it is, they laugh most of the way through it. Uh, and that's hosted by Marcus Parks, Ben Kissel, and Henry Zabrosnik. Uh, okay. Those are my two main sources. Let's see. Um, at this point, when they're taking off out of uh, Missouri the group is actually led by a man named James Reed so it was actually known at that point as the Reed Party um, as you'll see he eventually leaves the group and that's how it becomes known as the Donner Party because then um, George Donner takes over as the leader but um, so if there's one rule about heading west is that you have to leave before May 1st. Solid rule. You're not supposed to break that rule. 
It takes four to six months to get across. And if it and if you don't leave by May first, then there'll be snow in the Sierra Nevadas and you won't be able to cross. Uh so these guys left in the middle of May. <laughs> it was just a bad choice. Mm-hmm. I mean, I understand it's like wishful thinking. Like you think, oh, I'll, maybe we'll make up some time because we, you know, we'll start out with all this good weather. Mm-hmm. Um, but in fact, they started to fall behind right away. Like they lost a week. Somebody got really sick, and the whole party stopped for a while to bury her. And then, um, I mean, she died. <laughs> they <didn't laughs> bury their sick, their sick people. <laughs> Um, and, uh, and, and just a number of other things that went wrong right off the bat. So they were consistently behind and just kind of kept falling behind as they, as they went. I have another, well, I have my first question of the episode. Um, how does one go about marketing for said trip? Like, I know that already we are on the voyage. We we've started um you know that's where we are in the story but just so that i have better context um was there like were there posters that were up and around in missouri um like how does one uh, organize a whole bunch of different families who don't know each other to all get together and do this on the same day that is a great question yeah there were posters and there were um newspaper advertisements and people wrote books as well so if you people kind of generally knew that you could just go to independence missouri or some of the other frontier towns and just join a group okay so yeah fair enough if it was as long as it was the right that's those kind of spring months um -hmm. march april that kind of thing then then you could go yeah and i realize that's really not that important for like the big picture of the story but you know i'm a curious person and (laughs) no that's great like how on earth did these people even find each other (laughs) like that's that's my first question okay well and and it actually kind of is a good segue because one of the one of the main things that goes wrong for this group is their leader james reed he had read this book by a man named lansford hastings he was a lawyer and then he quit lawyering and became an explorer so he'd gone west before and then he wrote this book, and it was pretty popular. It was called The Emigrant's Guide to Oregon and California. And it was really intended to convince more people to go to California, because everybody at that time, it's called the Oregon Trail, because most people wanted to go to Oregon, um, the Oregon Territory. But California was getting more popular, and Langston, I'm sorry, Langsford Hastings owned a bunch of properties there and businesses, so he was trying to increase people arriving there but at the time the only way to get to california was to basically to go to oregon and then go south down the coast um no one had found a successful route that went directly to california so in this book hastings plots out this shortcut where you can get right to california you could just kind of i mean basically he looked at a map and was just like look you can go straight through here he did not he did not travel this route. And it is a terrible route because as you'll see, they have to go through um the the great salt desert where there's like no food, no water. Their oxen run away. Oh. 
and and then of course the mountainous piece i mean there's no road through there so you're just i mean trying to imagine getting through a wooded foresty california mountain range or actually the mountain range is mostly in nevada but it's insane so it's, it was he he wrote this it was totally exploitative uh he was trying to get more people to California and they and just James Reed he just believed it and so they were following this path that was not a good one um I did want to want to mention something because so the the people on these trails or going to Oregon California they it was dangerous anyway so the Donner Party had they're famous because they had the worst time but people had a tough time anyway um and they say uh, about four percent of people died on the way anyway mm. and this is a quote from the book um the indifferent stars above but it kind of made me laugh a little bit they're talking about different ways that the children could die because mostly people who most of the people who didn't make it were children um although keep in mind at this time even if they'd stayed in the cities children died an alarming rate also mm-hmm. Good point. Um, but so here's just kind of the list. Um, they could be crushed under wagon wheels. They could wander off into the grass and get lost. Abducted by natives, swept away in rivers, rattlesnake bites, struck by lightning, trampled by scared or unruly oxen or horses, pummeled by hailstones, accidental shootings, <laughs> measles, diphtheria, whooping cough, typhoid, malaria, infected cuts, food poisoning, mumps or smallpox. So, that's just a fun little list. That sounds like fun. (laughs) I'm reading here, um, I'm just looking at some information on uh, the internets, and Hastings, who wrote this book about this alternative Oregon Trail, Uh um, he wrote the book in... um, No, he went to California in 1842... And then he published the book. It doesn't say exactly when, but he didn't travel the proposed shortcut that he published the book about until 1846. Yes. Which is the same year that these families are. So he hadn't even been there on the, on the trail when he wrote that. And he does, he does go through or attempt the shortcut ahead of them. And he does leave them messages because he knows that they're on, they're on this trail behind him. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like a different kind of like stops along the way. Uh, saying, okay, don't go that way. Don't, you know, oh. <laughs> kind of telling them not to do it. But they didn't have an alternate route. They didn't have someone. I mean, so they kind of ended up just doing it anyway. Mm. Anyway, okay. So they take off. Wait, so I'm reading here that in the spring of 1846, almost 500 wagons headed west from Independence. Um, and then at the rear of that, you know, basically trained 500 wagons. There was a group of nine wagons that contained the 32 members of the Reed and Donner party. So these 500 wagons are kind of split between different parties. Was, was this whole group that spring using this now new route or only the Reed Donner party decided to take that new route? Only the Reed Donner party. Okay. So all these other people are going the regular sort of easy route. Uh, yes. (laughs) Or at least an established route. If you want to call it that, yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. So Okay. Um, they fall behind a number of times. 
crossing kind of the main, if you just imagine like the, the middle of the country, that's kind of the easy part of the trail. Um, they also, like you said, that there were 30 people who took off out of independence. I don't think it's much longer into their trip where they meet up with some additional people. Because in the end, the group does end up being about 80. Mm. Oh, wow. Um, 87, I think, total. And then there's, um, when they get to uh, the place where the, sh- the Hastings shortcut begins, the, uh, the Donner and Reed parties break off to go that way, and other, other people decide to go the easy way so they they split from their large their large group and and head into the terrible part of their trip okay all right let's see um as always my notes are not in order <laughs> this happens because i use multiple <laughs> sources and so I, uh, you know, you go through one source and write down your notes, and then the second source and write down your notes, and who has time to put them all together? Okay, so the the first major thing that goes wrong is when they do get into the desert. So if you kind of think about how the Oregon Trail goes goes to the north, and that's um, that stays that stays grassland until it hits the mountains, really. Um, but these guys are down crossing Nevada, basically, um, Utah, Nevada, that area was dry. It was hot. They, I mean, they brought some water with them, but really you have to get water along the way. So Mm -hmm. you've got to come across a river or a spring or something to feed your, your cattle and your horses and your families. And so they lost a number of their uh, cattle and oxen and things uh, either to dehydration or even starvation because again in the desert there's not that much to eat these cattle are so sad Um, and as the cattle become weaker um, they can't pull as much weight and so they are Mm -hmm. the teams are or the families are leaving first of all they're walking they're not getting pulled in the wagons and they've, they've needed to kind of leave behind some of their stuff to lighten the wagon. So um, they don't have all of the supplies that they would have had if that hadn't happened, which affects them later when they get stuck in the snow. So that part's really rough. And then finally they get across there and they get to a place called Truckee Lake. Truckee Lake is in Nevada and it is just north of Reno and it's basically in the foothills of the Sierra Nevadas so they are about to much on the on the border right with uh, California and Nevada yep yeah yep and all they need to do is cross this mountain range the Sierra Nevadas right so they're they're pretty far I mean they're super far into their I mean they've done most of the miles yeah they're almost there but because they're, they're way so behind time, schedule yeah it's november so they have um they should be there by now but i ideally or according according to the information they have 
if everything goes according to plan and you have the right weather, uh, you should be able to make the crossing in six days. That does not happen. Hmm. But uh, they wake up the morning that they're, they were planning to kind of start up the trail and there's been a snowstorm. And so where the mountains have been kind of bare and passable, uh, as they've been watching them get coming closer and closer, now all of a sudden they're covered in snow. And so hmm. instead of sending the whole group up, they send an advanced team to kind of see about finding a route and everything. And then they'll you know come back and, and uh, get the rest of them. But they, so they hike for a day, the advanced team. Uh, then they uh, sleep for the night. They wake up in the morning and they are completely covered in snow. Um, one man even told a story. He woke up and he couldn't see anyone else. And he started screaming, thinking they'd left him. But they were all just buried in snow. And, I mean, it, and it was a massive blizzard. And hmm. so it's just continuing to, to blow. And so they said, we can't, you know, we need to wait for this snow, this blizzard to stop. So they went back down to the lake, uh, Truckee Lake. And unfortunately, that blizzard lasted for eight more days. Wow. Uh, eight, eight or nine more days. And it, it, we're talking about 10 to 20 feet of snow had dropped. Wow. It was like they needed to have made it through the mountains before the, before this like first massive snowstorm. Is that usual for the Sierra Nevadas? Uh, yes, it is. This particular winter was one of the coldest and worst winters, um, not just for that area, but for the whole Western Hemisphere. Oh. Like the, um, so they got more snowfall and it was cold and it was like a La Nina year or something. Mm-hmm. And so it was one of the coldest on records. The Columbia River froze completely. Oh, wow. It froze over. Mm. Obviously, that's way far north. But um, And what else? There was a group of Mormons who were crossing. I think they were in South Dakota, maybe. Um, but they all, they all froze in a massive blizzard. And, and like mm. a, whole, a whole party of about 60 uh, Mormon pioneers died. Um, wow! Just being frozen in a storm. But they didn't uh, meet they, each they other, so there's no else. there's no story left about them. Uh, I mean, someone must have lived to tell the tale. <laughs> we wouldn't know anything about it. Well, maybe they were just found later. I'll look into that one more. Maybe that's okay. I'm sure Caitlin would love. <laughs> would love yeah, T- tell me more about frozen <laughs> frozen uh, well e- explorers, but. No, I'm glad I, that's I, what you want, because here we go. No, 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 but I have a question first. Um, I want to know, uh, I realize when they set out, they assumed that by Christmas time they would be at their destination, so I know there's only a certain amount of, uh, of resources that they have and their food and everything, their supplies, I'm sure, is getting, getting low. Did anyone think about, okay, well, we've got a lake at least, there's a water supply, maybe we'd stay here for the winter like was that even an option that's what happens caitlin <gasps> oh oh my goodness <laughs> I, I, thought, I thought that they went up into the mountain range and that 
that's where all the like the calamity happened. The, the is... lake is in the mountains. Yeah, it's it's in the it's in the foothills at least. So, okay. Um, unfortunately, it's not quite. They they were too far into the mountainy part of their trip to to go back down to the and plus going back down to the desert. I don't think would have done them any good anyway. Right. Okay. Um. Well, I'm sorry for asking no. a dumb question. <laughs> no, no, no. But I, I thought that I thought there was more hiking, uh, like up in into the oh, mountains before. There's, there's gonna be more hiking. Ah, uh, okay. So, um, let's see. Stormed for nine days, and in fact, over the next um, five months that the group is stranded, they actually endure ten different blizzards. Gosh. Um, and yeah, snow was twenty feet deep in many places. Um. I think I skipped something I wanted to say. I, I skipped one important thing that happened. Um, James Reed, mm-hmm. the leader of, he was the former leader. Uh, he gets banished from the group when hmm. he kills, he gets angry at some guy and he just like stabs him to death. And there's no like law and order out there. Like there's no one to call to adjudicate so the group the group just kind of has a meeting and and tries to decide what what's appropriate and none of them want to kill him and so they just banish him by himself he he has to leave uh which ironically turns out to be good for good for all good for everyone in a number of ways because he he comes back as part of the rescue party later but, oh, so they banish him, and so now, and he has a whole family, like wife and daughters, are part of the part of the party. So I'm sure it's awful for them because he's like the patriarch of the family. But he takes off, and what, like with with like a gun or a couple guns, and not very many supplies. Uh, but he ends up because he's on his own, and he doesn't have a whole wagon train he is able to get through the mountains just like normal like he crosses pretty easily and then when he gets to california there's um the uh war with mexico uh california is trying to become an independent country and get the land for mexico and so he's uh he decides well while i'm waiting for my family i'll just go to war (laughs) <laughs> so he goes down he goes down like you do mexico which at this point mexico was much further north than it is now um so yeah he goes to mexico and and he uh fights in a number of he was a soldier anyway so he fights in a number of battles down there oh, um, interesting yeah and then he go then he goes back up to to california to check on his family and finds out they are not there so uh, okay, so now the blizzard is awful. They figured out they're not going to be able to cross, so they're going to try and stay at the lake at least until the snow stops, or they think of a better plan, or someone comes to rescue them, or something. So um, they kind of spread out to look for shelter. One of the families, uh, the Breen family, they left out. They actually found an abandoned cabin, so they were 
pretty set in the cabin. I mean, I'm sure it wasn't in great shape. They still had to fix it up. Uh, a couple of families got together. The Foster, Eddie, and Pike families, they built a shared cabin together. Um, just, but it was just a small cabin. We're talking about one room. And that there were 16 people who were in that cabin. Mm. Um, and other people... So most people tried to build a little cabin, right? They had axes, so they were cutting down trees and things and built quickly throwing together, because it was snowing, quickly throwing together these cabins. Uh, Most of them were were kind of grouped together near the lake. About three quarters of the group was there. And then the other quarter, the last quarter of the group was about five miles away at a place called Alder Creek. I don't know why they were in different places. But some stayed at Alder Creek and some stayed at um, Truckee Lake, which, by the way, is now called Donner Lake. Hmm. So, uh, and the Donner family ends up at um, at Alder Creek, and they actually have it really rough. They um, they're trying to put up a cabin but George Donner in particular um, like first day he's trying to he's, I don't know he's cutting some limbs or something and he gets a cut on his hand like a really bad one and it's like immediately infected and gangrenous and his whole like he's not able to use that arm for like the rest of this adventure um, oh. they end up using canvas tent structures like they've got you know I don't know buffalo hides or something and they've they put together some tents uh it's intended to just be like a temporary solution until it stops snowing and they're able to make get back to making a cabin but that never happens so they end up wintering in the tents the whole time um there's some lean-tos some of the families build lean-tos and um one interesting thing is remember there's hired help so the families have hired these people to work for them so those people like they have to help the families build their structures and then they're on their own like they don't get to stay in the structures so some of the hired help are actually just like sleeping out in the snow okay food was scarce most of the oxen had either run off died already been eaten or they were stolen and in fact they had had about 30 oxen uh left when james reed was banished but almost immediately after he goes um some indians come through uh i can't remember the tribe but they come through and steal the whole bunch of them like they're left with with almost no cows so uh one of the reasons I think James Reed wasn't that worried about his family was because he knew they had plenty of food, not realizing that their meat supply was, was gone. Mm-hmm. So, um, all right. What little cattle are left are underfed. So they're real skinny. There's little meat on them. They're not very nutritious and they don't last very long. Um, and most of them need to be, butchered to make blankets or tents or you know they, they need the hides um for that kind of thing so really 
it's not very long before there are no no cattle or horses or any other animals like that. All right, so we're right around, are we in November? Hold on. Um, we're right around Christmas time, I think a little before Christmas. And a man named Franklin Graves, he is just frustrated that they're stuck there and he takes charge and he decides he's gonna begin leading some escape missions. So he's gonna take some people and try and go ahead and get through the mountains um, just to see, uh, primarily so that they can get, get through, get help to come back um, and rescue the rest of the people. So his first couple es escape missions fail. They get turned back by crazy blizzards and snow. Um, but the third mission uh, will eventually make it. But this mission is known uh, as the Forlorn Hope. That's what it went down in history as. This um, it was a group of 17 people, 10 men, 5 women, and 2 children. And they take off, and again, the trip was, they were hoping it would take six days. They had made themselves, oh, well, okay. The trip was supposed to take six days. It ends up, they end up being stranded in the mountains for a month and a half. Wow. Um, oh. But they, they will make it, you will find. Um, but because it was only supposed to take six days, they didn't take very much food. You know, they wanted to leave most of the food for the group that was stuck behind at uh. the lake. Um, they didn't have tents, and they uh, they had made some snowshoes out of, they'd built them kind of out of tree branches. Um, so that was helpful, uh, but it was incredibly cold. They had a couple Indian guides with them, these two guys named Louis, Louis and Salvador. They had never gone this route before though. So though they kind of knew the terrain, they knew how to live in the wild. They didn't exactly, they didn't really know where they were going. Mm -hmm. And the main person who did know where they were going was a man named Charles Stanton. And um, I don't know if he had done the route before or if he just had studied it, but he knew where to go. He was the one they were kind of trusting to get them through. And he, um, but on the fifth day of this little trek, he was the first one to die, actually. Um, he kept, he, he kept falling behind. I guess he was really short. And so walking in the deep snow was hard on him. So he kept falling behind. And, and on the fifth day, they got up to leave and start trudging through the snow. And he was like, you guys go on, I'll catch up. But he never did catch up. And huh. five months later, they found him uh, in a hollow stump nearby. So he hadn't even made it very far from camp that day, huh? No, he didn't. He hardly left camp. Yep. Oh. I mean, I think he gave up. It sounds like he was just like, I, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm -hmm. So the group, eventually, this is where the next really big mistake happens and if Charles Stanton had lived like one more day or another two days they might not have had this problem 
but they they um they cross what's called the six mile valley and then they reach this there's this ridge above the the valley and what there's what they need to do is to go up the ridge if you go up the ridge you can see right on the other side of the ridge you can see down below there's a road that takes you right to the settlement of johnson's ranch which is where uh-huh. they're trying to get it's like the that's like the first uh settlement you come to when you successfully cross the mountains um, but they didn't go up the ridge. They didn't know that that's what they were supposed to do. And there, it looked like it may be easier to just kind of go down, downhill instead of uphill. Mm-hmm. So, um, they I ended up descending. Think it's going to be easier going downhill <laughs> than uphill, but sometimes it's, it's not bad. always the truth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they descended into this like 3000 feet deep Canyon. They were really pretty much lost. Uh, they ran out of food completely on December 22nd. And on that day, uh, a man named, uh, he was an Irishman, his name was Patrick Dolan. He was the first one to suggest cannibalism. And his idea was that they would draw lots and whoever got the short stick, uh, they would kill and eat to save the others. So I don't know how we talked them into this, but they do it. They, I mean, they draw the lots and it, Patrick Dolan ends up being the one who gets the short stick. <laughs> no way. That's but, that's crazy. But when it comes down to it, there's no one in the group who's willing to just murder someone. So he yet. Yeah, exactly. So they don't uh, end up killing him. But the other thing that they've kind of realized is that they don't they're not given the conditions they're in, they're completely lost, they're out of food, it's incredibly cold it's not going to take very long before someone dies of natural causes. And then they can go back to thinking about cannibalism. (laughs) So um, it's just a day or two later where um, the first person who dies is a a Mexican immigrant named Antonio. Uh, But they don't eat Antonio, actually. Uh, They leave him alone. I'm surprised. I'm sure that they thought about it, but they just weren't quite hungry enough yet. Well, the, the guy, the Irish guy, had already suggested it. I'm surprised he didn't jump on it. Yes. Maybe suggesting it and actually doing it are just a little mm-hmm. too different. Well, I, yeah, I just think that they were kind of... It's like a... Uh, like, once you've crossed that bridge, you there's no going back from it. And I think they just... It took them a while to get used to the idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so something really terrible happened then the, somebody one of the guys was out chopping wood they had one axe with them he was chopping wood for a fire and the head of the axe flew off when he swung it back and it was lost mm-hmm. forever in the snow they couldn't find it so they could no longer chop yeah. wood oh no so they couldn't have fires anymore They what they would do is they they had some kind of tarp it wasn't a tent but it was some kind of tarp and they all kind of sat together underneath, like, using their bodies as the as the tent stakes or whatever to kind of hold it up. And they just kind of used each other's heat to try and stay warm. They were not, at this point, trying to go anywhere. They, you know, they hadn't had much food. They were really, really cold. So they were kind of just huddled there. Um... The next person who gets sick is a man named Franklin Graves. 
he was um, the one who had been leading all these um, rescue missions, or um, they're not really rescue missions yet, but little adventures. And he, he two of his daughters, uh, they're, um, I, they're at least in their teens uh, or late teens. They're, they're, they're unmarried, but they're not children. Um, as he, he's sick and he knows he's going to die, he tells his daughters that they should eat him. Whoa. So he kind of like gives them permission. Whoa. To do that, which they don't want to do. Uh, but then right away, mm-hmm. kind of within the next, like within the same day or so, um, Patrick Dolan, our hardy uh, Irishman, he um, is the next to die. And he does that thing where he does the paradoxical undressing where you get really hot because mm-hmm. the blood initially when you get cold, all the blood goes into your, your uh, torso to kind of try to keep your organs as warm as possible. But then eventually it rearranges and all the blood goes out to your outer layers and then you get overheated. So he went a little crazy and they didn't really understand frostbite. None of these people did. So they, they hypothermia. Yes, I'm sorry. Hypothermia. Thank you. <laughs> so they were a little confused by his crazy behavior. Um, so he just yeah, wouldn't stop t- taking off his clothes. So he died next. And then um, there was a boy named Lemuel Murphy. He was out searching for something, um, food probably, mm-hmm. one day. And he found a mouse. And he, he immediately ate it. Yeah. And the thing is um once you've been hungry for about 36 hours your hunger pains kind of go away like you still need food but your body is kind of readjusted and it's to a certain extent one of the reasons your hunger pains go away is because your body is sort of starting to digest some of itself yeah using using yourself for fuel but um but once you eat again then that hunger kicks back in so no one else had eaten and he uh ate this mouse and he goes crazy that night he's like trying to bite everyone oh no like literally like lost his mind trying to eat these people i mean he's a kid um but he he doesn't make it through the night he dies Mm. Uh, and these people are dying from hypothermia primarily Uh, i mean they are hungry but you can last like three weeks without food i mean it sucks a lot but um they're dying way too fast for it to be starvation. It's um, hypothermia, but they just don't really... It probably feels like they're dying from hunger because they're so hungry. But mm-hmm. um, So then, this is where the cannibalism starts. So they make a decision as a group. that So they've got three dead people now. And um, they go ahead and butcher the bodies. They, they're, they're not trying... They're not savages, you know. They're yeah um trying to be respectful but they also know that they have to eat to survive and so um they make sure that no one has to eat their own family member so that's supposedly good yeah i was like that that's the good news i guess (laughs) (laughs) yeah not Um, quite sure what the difference would be but more like emotional, mental, like trauma than it, like nothing yes. physically different, but just yes. uh, 
if you did survive knowing i don't know you, you, logic isn't really part of it i don't think <laughs> right but if that's the case then go ahead and eat your family <laughs> jay um, would have no problem eating us <laughs> yeah i need so, you so they don't have a way to make fires. Um, so they're eating raw meat. Um, they do cook the meat. Huh. I think what they do is they can't cut logs anymore, but they can scavenge for downed wood. Um, okay. cause they, they talk about how, I mean, like the hunger pain had gone away, but once the, they can smell the cooking meat, then they're just like ravenous. So, yeah. So now they've eaten their fill and they're feeling pretty good, but now they're hungry again within yeah. a day or two because apparently you're supposed to eat every day. <laughs> and they had they had the guides with them, Lewis and Salvador. And uh, this is the first actual murder. One of the guys just kill he kills the guides and they cook and eat them. <gasps> the Not Indian cool. guides. The Indian guides, yeah. What? Well, and it's a little ironic. So they eat, they eat uh, Salvador and Louis, and then, like the next day, they wander into an Indian camp and they're saved. <laughs> like they're given. Oh my gosh! They're given food. I mean, they still have like some of the meat from those two guys, like packed away in their backpacks. So we don't we don't suppose that they probably told the people at the Indian camp that that's what they'd just done. But so they wander into this Indian camp, they spend the night, they get warm, they dry out. They don't have, they still don't have much winter gear left. If you can imagine, like their clothes have rotted down to nothing practically. It's just, Mm -hmm. I mean, how they're managing to, I have no idea. I don't want to think about it. So (laughs) they do, they just stay at the camp for one night. It's not like they're, uh, allowed to stay forever but also the indians point them in the right direction to get to johnson's ranch mm-hmm. and it's just a day away but they only are like one day's walk but they they step off and there's this torrential downpour <laughs> and they're so just tired and weak and uh i mean they're now they're hiking through wet sloshy snow and they're miserable so uh, only one person actually makes it to the ranch, and uh, his name was William Eddy. The rest all, at some point, uh, give up and refuse to walk any further, and, and they're just, like, huddled together in the cold and rain. But when William Eddy gets to the ranch, he is able to send some folks back to rescue the other five. So of the 17 that initially left on the forlorn hope, only seven arrive Mm. only seven actually make it and Mm. it took them it took them a month and a half like was that like 45 days instead of like the six (laughs) to ten that it was supposed to oh wow Mm -hmm. but now they're at johnson's ranch and people know that there's this group of people just across the mountains who need to be saved so um they're able to send some rescue operations Caitlin, they're sending rescue operations. Yay! <laughs> I, I will try and I will try and rally my spirits. Good, 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 good. Be fine. I want to talk a little bit before I get into the rescue 
operation part, let me just make a note about what was happening back at the back at the lake. Um, I mean, the the Forlorn Hope group had left, you know, 45 days ago, so they probably don't really expect a rescue at this right. point. They probably think those guys all died or something. Given up hope on them, yeah. It wasn't supposed to be that long or they would have sent help already. And, and they have also um, been reduced to cannibalism as well. They, they tried to hold it off as long as possible. They were boiling, like even like they would boil their shoes, um, which are made of leather. Um, it would turn into a kind of glue if you boiled it long enough. That is really creative. Gross. Yeah. And they, you know, they were trying to catch mice and things and they would eat that. Um, but they were also, you know, one by one starting to die from the cold and from starvation. And so um, it's not too long before they decide to just give it a try. Um, <laughs> and it actually gets worse once the rescue rescue operations start. It actually gets worse, which is a little crazy. They um, the first rescue operation. It's called the first relief, and it so they get this team of party men. It only takes them a few days to get through the mountains, and they take out um, you know, the a first group of people. I don't know. I don't have the exact number written down here, but it's maybe about gosh maybe about 20 people that they can take back with them. So they can't rescue everyone at once. Did and they bring more supplies at least? I mean, I think a little bit, but certainly not, not enough. enough to feed everyone. Yeah. So they're certainly shocked when they get in there to see there's like, because they've been, they're so weak and, um, and sickly that they haven't been able to bury the dead. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's kind of, they describe it. It looks kind of like a war field. There's like, dead bodies just kind of strewn about outside of these tents and cabins um so that's the first relief and then the second relief uh is sent in and they are able to take out um two adults and and 17 children um but there is this story that um one of the rescuers told when he was on the first relief uh you know they were rescuing people and it was pretty shocking to see all the dead people but on the second relief the dead people weren't uh, whole bodies anymore. They had all been eaten. And so there were bones strewn about everywhere. Mm. Um, The children were being kept at this point, kept all in one cabin. uh, And they were just being watched over by one of the women. And uh, they were were eating, eating, eating. (laughs) They ate so many people. It's like the children, I mean, I think once they started eating, then they get hungry. And they don't quite have the, I don't know, the ability to just kind of sit there in your hunger for a while. You know, they're kids. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're a little savage. So the second relief, they're hiking out and they actually have a really, really, really hard time getting out. They camp, they select a camp spot uh, one night and they end up um, getting just completely snowed in by a blizzard. Uh, turns out the place that they camped that night is the place uh, where the Sugar Bowl Ski Resort now oh, stands. Wow. Uh, and it's uh, 
it's the most snowfall of any resort in California. That's like their mm-hmm. tagline. Oh. <laughs> Walt Disney actually built that ski ski resort. <laughs> Uh, okay, so the third relief comes and they take everyone else except the, they leave four people. Um, two Why of whom. Four. I, I know. Well, two of whom are too sick to leave, and one won't leave her sick husband, and one, he's been evil. Um, he, they, I think he killed a kid. He killed the baby and ate it or something. Um, so they're really mad at him. They, they, I think they leave him behind just to, like, to punish him. But when the fourth relief finally comes back to get the last people, um, he's the only one who's still alive. Huh. And he ate Suspicious. All he ate all mm-hmm. Yes. The fourth relief came back, certainly for those four people, but also for the loot. Um, you know, what, whatever the, was left, um, people had sewn money and stuff into their clothing and and they had some um a few belongings left that were pretty valuable so they came back for the loot hmm. for um, the party or or to give it uh, back yeah, yes, or to, to take it, to themselves to give it back to the party yes. okay okay um although the evil guy who had eaten the child and had killed the baby he was when they came back to get the loot he had hidden a ton of it and they had to like threaten him with death to get him to show show them where he buried it Mm -hmm. because they were like we know there's more than this (laughs) okay so um overall they left in the middle of may they didn't arrive in california till february of the following year whoa of the 87 of them who were in the group when it got trapped at um, Donner Lake, uh, forty-eight survived. That's actually good. That's pretty good. Because thirty-two, thirty-two died. Forty-eight survived. Hmm. Oh. But uh, it's especially famous just for the gruesomeness of the cannibalism, and of course because uh, so many of them did live to tell their tale. It was, it. Uh, there's a lot of, a lot of uh, grisly details. That could be sensationalized in the press, et cetera, et cetera. So, did someone eventually find a better way to get to California than this oh. uh, Hastings Trail? Yeah. Um, well, actually, <laughs> I'm not sure. Or do they I mean, still go up to California after California after this got story. settled? Yeah. <laughs> but I, you know, honestly, although it was a really rough way to go, if they had left earlier they probably still could have made it. Uh, and yeah. it's still miserable to cross the desert and then go through those mountains where they don't have yeah, because an established trail. But you were, you were saying, Jillian, that um, the at the point where they were at the lake, it theoretically should have been a six-day walk mm-hmm. to the next settlement. So, And it was literally that morning that they were going to start the six-day leg of the hike um the, the snow fell and that's so the blizzard, the blizzard theoretically started. like it was they were within one to maybe obviously two weeks would have been better but you know two week window of of having almost made their made it all the way through yeah if they'd if they'd started earlier or like you said if if uh, they hadn't spent so much time burying the sick gal <laughs> at the very beginning <laughs> oh man oh. So that's the story of the Donner Party. How's that for a little calamity? 
it's a lot of calamity and i mean like most of the stories we hear it uh it it seems like um it's a lot of things going wrong in sequence uh yes. you know it's not just one thing if if only this one thing hadn't happened uh and of course we just mentioned the start date had a a huge impact mm -hmm. on on the outcome but it was and then you know, it was time the coldest winter on again. record and yeah exactly yeah. and then the yep. indians stole the remaining cattle and then yep they, the guides died first so they, they got lost and yeah yeah it's uh a lot of things went wrong all in a row but there was one family who didn't lose a single family member the breen family hmm. uh i believe it was they I don't know. They were just hardy and they somehow all made it. I think the Donner party lost over half of their family. Mm -hmm. They kind of had it the worst because they were, they were up at Alder Creek that and it just, for some reason that was um, a worse spot to be, but hmm. that's the story of the Donner party. Cannibalism. <laughs> I actually have a lot of other good disasters that involve cannibalism. I was going to say, this isn't I'll, the only uh, one. I will uh, sprinkle them about. This isn't going to become the cannibalism podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was laughing to myself, Jillian, because uh, a lot of times at the end of the episode, we like to like tell our listeners, well, if this disaster were to happen, mm -hmm. you know, what would you do? You know, How to avoid... Exactly, like if it's a flood or if it's a thunderstorm, you know, what, what do you do in these scenarios? And I'm like, I don't, I just can't see us having this scenario. Uh, <laughs> present day, it just doesn't equate. We're never going to have a situation like that again. <laughs> not uh, not exactly. Not exactly. Um, so, anything else or should I go ahead and let our listeners know where to find us on social media? Well, I just wanted to uh, let our listeners know they're going to get a treat next week, and we'll have a different sister leading the charge, <laughs> right? Yeah, a little suspense okay. there. Not sure which <laughs> sister, but uh, but yeah, we've got something pretty exciting uh, planned, so tune in next week, and you will see how entertaining it is to hear one of the other sisters attempt <laughs> to talk in fluid sentences <laughs> I love it alright where can they find us Kate? Uh, uh, well first of all uh, we have got an awesome website we really are proud of it feel free to check us out there because if you go to our website you're going to see all the different ways that you can get in touch with us um, so www.calamitypodcast.com on there we have our email address our twitter handle and our facebook page um, so that's kind of the best place to, to start but of course if you just want to hit us straight up with a, an idea um, a, a calamity that you want us to cover go ahead and uh, send the email to calamity podcast at yahoo.com or uh, reach out if you've got some, some uh, cannibalism stories we'd love to hear that <laughs> hopefully not first person <laughs> <laughs> I meant like family stories but yeah I guess yeah. 
I don't even know. Do people pass down those stories from generation to generation? I mean, that's... I guess. I mean, hey, you know, if you've got a story, clearly we want to hear it because it's going to be weird. But um, but yeah. <laughs> so on, on Twitter, you can find us at Podcast Calamity. And then on Facebook, search Calamity Podcast and you'll find us. So we look forward to hearing more from you. Um, again, we love the nominations. Uh, if you've got a disaster you want us to cover, we do pay attention to that. And we'll just, like I said last week, we probably already have it on our list. We'll just move it a little higher up. So make sure we get that uh, topic sooner rather than later for you. All right. Anything else, sisters? Nope. Nope. You guys All stay right. safe. Yep. Stay safe. Take care. <laughs>